so you don't record the other guests, you idiot. All right, did that, great. Um, what's up to all our sidekicks and henchfolk out there in the Geek Nation? You're currently tuning into the Cult Pop Podcast live stream. I'm your host, Johnny Destructo, owner of Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex at 4327 Main Street in Maniunk, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, United States, Earth. And uh, with me this week is football enthusiast, Noel Bartocci. Noel, tell the people something. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Have a great day, everyone. Also, Len, who who eats tuna fish and Ritz crackers twice every week. Tell the people something. What's up? Holla at your boys. Len the Bat Tribble. We are here to discuss uh, this past week's new comic book releases. But first, we got a correspondence. Correspondence from people who watch us. Or listen. Done. All right. So, uh, and actually, this came in at about three minutes ago. Uh, Christopher Saint Saucy, good night. I had already stricken the letters comment, uh, the letters section from the show, and then last second hail mary, Christopher Saint Saucy, good night says, Hawkman answers. Since you have some questions about Hawkman, I have some answers, kind of, sorta. The recent series attempted to reconcile all of the past versions and origins of Hawkman, which never made much sense. Basically, all of them are real. Hawkman was a former Deathbringer, a member of winged tyrants who butchered innocents. Hawkman rebelled against his people and was granted immortality and the chance to make up for all the deaths he caused, but unfortunately, it was a lot of deaths. So he has been at it for a while, and any time he is killed in the process, he reincarnates somewhere else. There have been versions of him on Krypton, Ron, Thanagar, Ancient Egypt, the Microverse, etc. In the recent issue, it was revealed that Hawkgirl made a deal with the god that brought Hawkman back and tied her fate to his. After their most recent triumph, they basically had paid for his sins and were given the chance to give up their fight but, since they weren't quite done, they were also given the opportunity for one last life, and they chose that with the Justice Society. I do believe the bad guy reveal at the end of last issue was his second-in-command, or partner, from when he was a Deathbringer. The best part of the series was easily the first 12 issues with Brian Hitch on the art, but I am sad to see it ending soon. Chris St. Saucy, good night. What an email, well done. Those are all answers to questions that I had uh, because we we read the last issue last week and there was a big reveal of a guy and we went, cool. <laughs> Hi, guy. I yeah. don't know who you are because we had not read any of the previous issues. So thank you, it Chris. Seems, it, it seems as though um, Venditti is doing just like a out of, not out of continuity, but just away from everything else, one long story about Hawkman. So... Maybe someday I'll read it all. Okay. Randy Green says, Dick is a scumbag. Sorry, Noel. I'm not contesting that. He's an old idiot. He is a scumbag. That's fine. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Sport! 
<laughs> yeah, that was that was a real that was like real aside aside aside. Yeah. <laughs> uh, action figure expert says hello, hello, hello. What's up? What's up? Going on? How you guys doing, people? Well, he actually typed PP. I'm assuming he means people. I don't know. I'm not going to king shame him. Max says, good morning, my people. Action figure expert says, happy Batman Day. Yesterday. Yesterday. <laughs> yesterday. Happy day after Batman Day. Day. Um, Stillwater, number one, by Chip Zdarsky, with art by Ramon Perez <laughs> and Mike Spicer. What, why are we laughing? Uh, he just said, oh, great, under his breath, because I know he loves horror comics, and we're going to see if he finished it or uh, not. Uh, Diamond has this to say about Stillwater number one. Nobody dies. In the town of Stillwater, that's not just a promise. It's a threat! Join superstar writer Chip Zdarsky and Eisner award-winning artist Ramon K. Perez as they dive into a world of horror and intrigue in this new, ongoing, skybound series. I had no idea what to expect from this. I did not know it was a horror book. I did not know Chip Zdarsky wrote it. I could tell it was Ramon Perez from the artwork. But this was a vast departure for me with regard to what I expect from Chip Zdarsky. I expect a lot of humor. Um, mo mo that's it. I expect a mostly humor from Chip Zdarsky. So, um, a horror book was a pleasant surprise. And this, again, not knowing it was a horror book, was also a pleasant surprise. Because things start to go in a certain direction with the story, and you start to go... I can't tell if mm -hmm. this is going to get creepy or not. What, what kind of story is this? So by the time mm -hmm. it wrapped up, I was thoroughly engaged. I can't wait for more of this. I think the first issue is Chef's Kiss, Top Notch, Good jumping on point, obviously. Len, what did you think of Stillwater number one? <laughs> you go first, because you look like you're chomping at the bit. <laughs> if you want to finish, if you want to finish it, we'll wait. <laughs> oh, what did you think of Stillwater number one? <laughs> uh, I was I was excited about it uh, because I had I did know that it was Chip Zdarsky doing horror. Oh, okay. And yeah. I, even though even though he's um, he's done a lot of stuff other than horror, uh, I still associate him also with sex criminals and Howard the Duck and kind of like wacky things, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I wanted to give it a shot, and I love Ramon Perez, so why not? I didn't know what the premise was. I just knew that it was a horror book, so I didn't have that kind of like surprise. Mm -hmm. um, the pacing was fantastic. The characterizations were great and I say that they were great because I didn't like the main characters That's, that like shows you something and I didn't like them not because they did anything aggressive or terrible they just they're not appealing and when you kind of feel that kind of reaction towards a fictional character it's just like oh they wrote them really well like everything that happened in here even the, even when it got to the really creepy stuff there was a genuinely shocking moment mm -hmm. in here for me too like it was and it happened um when you're watching a movie, something like horrific happens in an instant like it does in real life, and and they don't give you more time to just process it. There's no swell of music. There's no – it just like that happened, and you have to process it in a second. Something like that happened in this book, and it was just like really effective. Mm -hmm. um, I like this a lot. Yeah. And uh, the, only, the only caveat I have or the only like hope I have is that it doesn't go on forever. Yeah. I want – 
a full story, not a 120-issue meander for 40 issues in the middle of it. Like, if this is 12, 24, or something like that, awesome. Uh, But I want an ending. So, before we get to Lynn, I have a question for Lynn. So, you don't like, you're not a big horror fan, right? Now, is that a specific type of horror? Because I would say that this book is it has a supernatural element in that the people in this town do not die and there is a murder right but it to me so far it's a thriller to me yeah. actually like i to to Noel's point i didn't finish reading the book but <laughs> i'm sorry jd can we guess can we guess when you what made you put it down can we guess when you stopped the kids the kids on the roof? No, 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 no. It, 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 it honestly wasn't a matter of something made me put it down. It was a matter of it turned to 1030 and it was time to start the show. Oh, uh, thank you. <laughs> that's why I said, <laughs> oh, shit. Did you, save it for the, did you save it for the end, like, early this morning? Because it was like, I don't want to read a horror no, book? No, honestly, or? no, it, was, it, it wasn't because I didn't want to read a horror, horror book because I did see that it was drawn by Ramon Perez, whose art I've you know, JD has introduced me to and I enjoy, enjoy, and then kind of like flipping through it, because what I do is I go looking through all of the books first, and then kind of like line them up, and it looked like a book that even though the the cover is definitely horror, but as I flip through it, okay, but this looks like it's more, could easily be just like a, a, a crime comic with just a horror tinge to it or a supernatural tinge to it. That's what it exactly. was looking like to me in, in the artwork and in the uh, expressions of the character. Like you said, no, the characterizations are like spot on. So actually, this was one of the books that I was saving to the last. I didn't get to all of the books. And this was the one that I was that I was happened to be reading when I realized, oh, my God, I got to I got to log on. Um but I was enjoying it. I was enjoying the book a, a great deal. It it was fun. It also, because of the art, looked like a book that, you know me, JD hates this, that I'm going to look at and say, you know what? I'm going to love this first issue. I'm going to read it for the show. And then I'm not going to read anymore because I think I would buy this as a trade. This looks really, really tight. But I have a question for Noel because when you say you don't want this to go you want this to just be a finite story yet, right? How is that, something like that, different than your enjoyment of, say, you know, anything that Marvel or DC is doing, Thor or Avengers yeah. or Iron Man, which are continually renewing themselves and just going on and on and are not complete stories? Why do you want a complete story of this? Why can't this be an ongoing I, I, I think it it, um, it boils down to kind of a, the the genre and which ones lend better to others. So like um, super heroics and four pan, four color panel type of stuff that that's like a soap opera. It's it lends itself to perpetual second act. There are jumping on and jumping off points, but it is uh, an indelible like kind of story kind of told over and over again with different tropes with horror. And also, too, baked into that cake is the fact that the stakes are, are constantly being re-upped, as in there are none. You know, like it's just a reboot away or a death and a return. With horror, it the stakes have to matter. 
and it has to be it just has to be high emotion and high impact and I feel like you can't do that successfully over a long period of time because then you start to dull the effect it might have on the audience in reactions, right? And that doesn't even have to be like nasty murders every two seconds. It's just when you're following this this like finite story, it has to have some sort of of climax or the journey just gets dulled over time. Like horror, horror stories have to come in quick, make an impact, jump out, and then maybe get back to them like sequels but like you know a four and a half hour horror is it just slowly dulls right yeah it's a good point and christopher agrees with you amen to that noel gideon falls is ending in december uh 28 issues which is perfectly fine i like a good concise story anything past 60 issues is too much i get bored and forget what happens uh, Outcast is a prime example. It's the mystery of it. Superheroes are monster of the week, where whereas mysteries need a tight plot with no filler. But you also have to nail the ending. He says. Yeah, um, horror horror is really hard, especially for me. I don't I don't really like horror comics either. Like, it's very hard to to um, for me at least. It's very hard to mimic the the emotional resonance of a horror movie or book versus a comic or actually a horror movie versus a comic and a book. It's just, you know, that part of my brain is not as, as a, uh, doesn't fire as much when it comes to suspense and, and inciting, you know, heart stopping moments where other mediums do like even music just has a way of like propelling me more than a page turn. So I don't really fall for much horror in comics. It's not something that I really like, but if I like the characters and I like that the story is finite and has like it's going somewhere specific, I'm in. I was Walking Dead. I was in for about 100 issues and then I petered out when I realized, oh, shit, this is not actually going to go anywhere. Right. Like right. we're just repeating the same story over and over again. So I'm just going to drop out like that. I don't really care for. OK. All right. I, I just read a book like this and I could see I could see it being something like you said a finite story but I could also see it growing into something like um, uh, Stray Bullets which was a crime book to be fair but it was an ongoing book that just took place in this universe so there were different stories you know from all around the universe that maybe tangentially touched on one another um and I would be super down for that. I would be super down for that. If if those characters that we were introduced to here, if we follow them to completion as a climax, however, there's still stories to tell in the town of Stillwater or the mysteries of it, cool. As long as there's some sort of climax with the inciting incident that was introduced here in a reasonable amount of time, I feel like the stakes are real. You gotcha, know? gotcha, gotcha. Oh, that that artwork is so good, man. It's so yeah. evocative, so immersive. Just puts you immediately into the world, man. Oh, the it's got motion to it. It doesn't feel too static. It's yeah. really kinetic. Yeah, just yeah, some good great. stuff, man. He's so good. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I would recommend you guys go out and check out Stillwater Number 1 by Chip Zdarsky and Ramon Perez. Let's move on to... Stillwater, That's isn't that, uh, is that Boom Studios? Image. No, it's Image. Oh, it's Image. That's right. It's Image. Image. image it's got down. Right. For my money, this is just as 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 fun and good as well. It's yeah. It's it's just as good as 
uh, something is killing the children. I had just as much of a fun experience reading this as that. And so, like, I think people need to pick this up and, and jump on it. It's better than like Nail Biter for yeah. me. Yeah. Like, I agree. Oh, definitely. This was this was really good. I, I'm I'm surprised it's not as talked about. I guess. Yeah. Like this came out of nowhere. People need to jump on it. It was really really good. Yeah. Talk about it and buy it from me. I'll I'll mail it to you. Secret seven no seven secrets number two. From Tom Taylor, with art and cover by Danielle DiNicolo. DiNicolo. Uh, After a deadly attack on the Order, their youngest member, Casper, must step forward to keep the world safe from the Seven Secrets with the power to destroy it. But surviving the trials doesn't mean just becoming the next holder of the Great Secret. It also carries dangers that will change Casper's life in unimaginable ways. So we had read the first issue of Seven Secrets, and I was expecting something a little different because of Tom Taylor and his writing style up until this point. And I can't say I was immediately enthralled by the story, but I was willing to give it another issue because of Tom Taylor's name. If this was another writer, I may have just been like, I'm good. But because of Tom Taylor, I went, We'll give it another shot. And I'm glad I did. I think this second issue should have been part of the first issue because it actually gives the reader, or at least me, some sort of emotional connection to these characters that I didn't really have previously. And it's something that I need in order to continue reading a series. So uh, the fact that we get to meet Casper in this issue and spend some time with him, and then also see a little bit of the interactions between him and his parents, who he's not allowed to have too much interaction with, I think really sets up the drama and the stakes and I'm uh, more curious about this world that they're building and I think this is a a much better second issue than maybe it was a first issue. What did you think, Lynn? I love this book. I, um, it felt like, again, it was so so many times I found myself calling these books feeling like an anime come to life on the page and that's what this did um especially with the with the art style and the character the the page layouts which um took you like really moved and it's had a lot of fluidity to it uh i love the the artwork uh danielle dina 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 i believe i'm pronouncing that correctly i hope hope that i am i choose to Um, believe it too uh, I, is, I think it's a he, right? Is it a yeah, he? I believe it's a he. Is yeah, I he? believe it's a he. Okay, well then he is is doing some good stuff. It's a little little like every good anime. It's a little hard to tell the women from the from the men, but um, that notwithstanding, uh, I thought that the the world building of this was kind of interesting about you know their secrets and then there's the holders of the secrets. Um, I thought was kind of, kind of cool um, the way this story kind of tells the story of Casper from a young boy to uh, to um, I guess getting into like mid teenagers or young young uh, like 13 14 years old or something by the end um, it ends on a little bit of a of a cliffhanger um, that I'm not going to spoil uh, it has a you know, spy sense to it, but it's a little bit of the spiritual, it's supernatural, it's action, uh, this pathos um, is building up for the long haul because this, they, um, I was just in it. I, I, I enjoyed it. It was a fun read. 
those those two pages that you just showed um are like blew me away so like the the page before that it's uh you're seeing caspar as a little as a nine-year-old boy what he's looking at and his like, genuine excitement and then the very next page is the flip of what he's seeing and how cool it is like all of these amazing people doing ninja things um and it was just so incredibly effective i don't even I'm not a big anime fan, but I totally understand what you guys mean. There's, there's a there's a style and a kineticism all over this book that's very much like a, a Euro Asian influence, and it's awesome. But um, I I loved the, I, I I completely agree that this is a direct continuation and it strengthens the first issue. However, I actually liked the first issue I think a little bit more than you guys did. Um, it was a it was like a solid cold open where you meet these characters and you dig them and then they die immediately and you're like where the fuck is this book going and i loved that (laughs) um this just made me love that more so like you've got this these 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 two people a keeper keepers and holders keepers of the secret and holders of the secret there are seven secrets each each team is in charge of a secret and they should never be around in the same place at the same time and there's this like secret service academy of some sorts that is training future holders and seekers or holders and keepers casper is the the child of a holder and a keeper they're not allowed to be in a relationship let alone have a baby they did and the way to save the baby was for them to never raise it and for it to be raised in the order so you've got this scenario where he knows who his parents are he's met them they cannot be affectionate or caring of each other or be in the same place for too long however because he's a member of the academy they're allowed to train him Mm -hmm. so you've got this amazing amazing relationship dichotomy with his parents where he knows them and resents them but he respects them and loves them and they're able to instill things into him without instilling things into him so like you know his father teaches him how to fight and in a very like sweet kind of way but a teacher and his mother teaches him how to shoot like it's a way of the writer giving you um, lineage and legacy, but an incredibly cold way because this world is kind of cold. And I loved it. I love every nuance of this book. I'm probably going to, when this is collected or however long it goes, I'm probably going to like give this to tons of people. This is awesome. Yeah, I really like All Age how, is awesome um, too. That, that particular decision I think was very important. The fact that the parents are there, they are alive, and they just have limited access to the kid, and they're aware of each other. All of those elements, I think, come together to make a more interesting story than, oh, he's being raised in this school, but his parents are dead. He's an orphan. Or he's being raised in this school, and he thinks his parents are dead, and he thinks he's an orphan. So, like, all of these little things come together, and that makes it, a slightly more interesting story in my eyes, I think, because we've seen mm-hmm. the other yeah. things before. Yeah. I've never right. seen this exact relationship um, sort of explored. Yeah, I feel like in a lesser story, in a lesser or more a less original story, it would be um, a long, ongoing mystery mm-hmm. as to who his parents are, right? And that's that's kind of boring, you know. Like we we know right off the bat. We also know that they're dead right off the bat, and we're going back and forward in time to show him. I love this book. Yeah. I love this book. Yeah, and, and I think that's, that is, while it's not, you know, his only trick that he plays, but it is something that Tom Taylor likes to do. It's like play with your expectations, you know. Yeah. Take something that you've, you 
maybe have been trained to expect because you've seen it so many times before and then find some some way to turn it on its head and give you a, a different um a different beat a, di- a, a, a different reading of it and um that is the hallmark of somebody that is loves the medium in which he is working respects it respects the past and respects how the craft of it but then is trying very hard to bring something new to it so yeah I dude it, i i i if you've ever taken um writing courses or story courses or narrative courses everyone is so obsessed with breaking rules or getting to the point where you break rules but you can't do that effectively unless you understand and love the rules so Tom Taylor is the kind of writer who's like, I know what people love and I know what works. And because I am so intimately familiar with how that or how that functions, I can twist it over here. And I know that you'll react as well to it because you understand the rules as well as I. Like it's it's a very, very competent and impressive thing that he does. And I love it. I concur, Doctor. Let's move on to Iron Man number one from Marvel Comics, written by Christopher Cantwell with art and cover by Kefu. <laughs> Big covers by nobody. Big iron! Exclamation point. Tony Stark is looking to restart his engine. He's decided he's going back to basics, putting away his high-tech toys and high-profile image so he can get his hands dirty again. Mm. It's time to dig into the guts of real machines, put on some old-fashioned metal, and fly. But can he really lay that Stark-sized ego down? Life isn't that simple. Something that old friends and frustrating froes are quick to point out. If you strip down a billionaire to his bolts, does he run solid or just overheat? Tony's going to find out once a threat to the entire universe rears its head from the past. As he suits up again, Tony remains sure of one thing. He's still Iron Man, down to his flesh and blood core. Uh, so, I d- did anybody finish the Iron Man 2020 miniseries? I did. Nope. No. Okay. No. I didn't realize that was going to be the end of Dan Slott's run. <clears throat> Maybe Dan Slott didn't either. I don't know. So, like, that got so little traction. I have no idea. Uh, nobody was talking about it. Yeah, what a bummer. No. But, yeah, here we are. Christopher Cantwell. The reason I know that name is because I have recently discovered and fell in love with a four-season TV show called Halt and Catch Fire about building computers in the 80s, which even just sat, saying that out loud makes me a little sleepy. But, boy, that show is just so good. The characterizations, the drama, the, the technology, the nostalgia, all of those things blended together to make a perfect tsunami of interest for me. And I really enjoyed all four seasons of that. So when I saw that Christopher Cantwell was going to be taking over Iron Man, I thought I'd give it a shot. And okay. I thought this was really solid. I think uh, that if you know Lee Pace from Halt and Catch Fire, you may have the same experience I had where anytime Tony talked, I heard Lee Pace's voice from that show. And because um, he has a lot in common, this version of Tony Stark, who is doing sort of soul searching and trying to find out who he is at his core, um, that is a character arc that lee pace's character goes through in that show he starts off as a real piece of crap and then throughout the four seasons he kind of reinvents himself several times and he's trying to get down to the core of who he is and as as a viewer 
in incredibly interesting uh, character arc. So um, I got a little bit of that here. It was nice to see Tony in a way that I hadn't really seen him before. And it was a nice surprise to see Hellcat show up. And yeah. sh even she, you know, calls him on his on his business and is like, listen, even this this new humble version of you, that's still just your ego. Uh, and I was All like, right. oh, snap, way to go. Um, so what did you think of this, Noel? Oh, I thought it was, it was super enjoyable. Like, um, uh, I loved the, I mean, I'll just agree with you for the most part. I loved the, the characterization of Tony. I loved his COVID hair. Um, <laughs> I loved, I loved the, um, and it's, it's a really almost overplayed story device these days, but I, I did love his, uh, his Twitter feed. Oh yeah, I forgot. A, that was great. As a plot device. Like he is. He, it's um it's a it's a sycophant it's a it's um it's a very self-centered human being doing his best to not be self-centered but he's doing it in a self-centered way because that's all he knows how to be is self-centered mm -hmm. so it's it's enjoyable and kind of how detached it is uh like his intentions are earnest but he has absolutely no like skills yep. in regards to it so it's it's very enjoyable to to read i did not even i didn't care about the fact that there's even though he's showing a, a wonderful panel by Kafu, the art in this book and the coloring is just ten thousand percent amazing. But um, I didn't care that there was really no action in the second half of the book. It was just enjoyable reading these characters. Oh, yeah. um, and Hellcat was spectacular. I immediately shipped the two of them. I don't see Patsy Walker enough. This is awesome. Um, I just I, this was great. This was really fun. Yeah. Even even the way in which he goes to buy a new car mm -hmm. was enjoyable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I love this. Yeah. Yeah, I love I loved every part of it. I, it's funny. I didn't watch um, Halt and Catch Fire. I've heard great things about that show. So when you're listen reading the book, JD, you've got that in your ear. When I'm reading the book, I'm actually reading like, okay, how many stories, especially in the last. 10 years have been a on the DC side have been a deconstruction of Bruce Wayne and like I felt like this was like you know what this is really a deconstruction of a rich dude like if they're trying to do at least a little something different at least something different that I, I hadn't seen in Iron Man for a long time and I was hearing like oh this was this would be a cool little Bruce Wayne story that's what I was I was reading I was really enjoying it um Brandon Jackson Short says that the Janet Wasp breakup was a bit weird. I actually the relationship was weird. I think so. I think it was weird for them to be together uh, um, as well. But I thought the breakup was actually very cool because you have to imagine how well these two know each other. They are not going to BS one another. They don't have to go through the like. Yeah, well, it was great while it lasted. Like, no, you know what? I think we're good. I think we're done. He's like, you know, you're right. Yeah. Peace. One love. Stop. You know, you Stop. know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there for you. Yeah. Exactly. So I actually liked that. That was very mature and adult. Yeah. I dug it. I'm yeah. like, yo, that's the way it should be. Oh, God. Let's let's put this on a poster. Let's put, make this a book out there for couples. Um, I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it, man. I was, oh, I was just going to say the closest that they've come to deconstructing Tony Stark, I guess, was the the fraction run where they, but they did it along the lines of kind of like a Flowers for Algernon, where he was losing his 
intelligence, right. not trying to dismantle his ego. Right. So it's 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 in a it's in a way it's kind of like that, like a like a Iron Man disassembled, but it's more it's more personal, it's more emotional. I mean, that was an emotional story, and it's great if no one's ever read it. But this is different enough, even though it's kind of tropey, and I, I like that a lot. Yeah. The, the I, only thing I... I'm, I'm sorry, real quick, J.D. The only one thing, and this is an extremely fall, small nitpick. Um, one, I, I second what you said, No, I love seeing Patsy Walker and Hellcat show back up on here. She's um, one of those lost treasures of Marvel, so I like to see when she shows up. Um, and uh, But the one little small nitpick is that when he does don his armor again because you see him in the armor in the beginning but he doesn't really put on the armor again towards the end of the book and i think if i'm reading it correctly we're meant to see this as like a very old armor of his right and and i think it 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 is but i would have liked for that old armor to have maybe a a slightly even more aged look to it as far as technology it still looked kind of new so it didn't take me back into the way back machine so as much as hell hellcat says like oh you're feeling nostalgic or something like that and that's a very 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 tiny nitpick uh i i hear what you're saying uh i'm glad it it didn't do that though what it, what it reminds me of is I was in either a Best Buy or a Target recently, and they had a 1980s boombox. Mm. It was a whole boombox. Kids, <laughs> ask your grandparents what a boombox is. And uh, it played digitally. There was no reason for any of it. It was just, it, all it was was nostalgia, and everything was updated technology. And it was just dumb yeah. as hell. Kind of wanted to buy it. I didn't, <laughs> but um, wait. It reminds did did me it have a functioning where, tape deck? That's all that matters. Oh, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't look into it. But like, um, that reminds me of that. It's just like, oh, we're going for a sort of a retro vibe, but I'm not going to um, sort of uh, downgrade at all. Mm. Yeah, this was to me. It wasn't an older suit. It was a homage to an older suit. It yes, was a, yes. a, a a more a more um, just a classic modern. Right. Kind of thing. Yeah, yeah okay. like this was this wasn't this wasn't him dusting off something. This was he made something that's closer to that to get back to his basics. Gotcha. Not I, nothing nano, having to actually put it on, but it's still modern. I have a question about his AI that he talks to in his suit. So at Boss? one point it was like a Jarvis, and then more recently it was like Friday. Um yeah. and then he was an AI for Riri at one point. But I don't know who Boss is. Has Boss been around for a while? Not to my knowledge. It seems less AI and more automated, if that makes more sense. Like an automated program versus an, uh, an actual AI. And I think that probably has something to do with Iron Man 2020. The whole conceit of that book seemed to be artificial intelligence and what that means with regard to humanity and existence and... Um, the philosophy of what is what is a a being, right? So the fact that now it's sort of you, they do this thing with the text where it's like um, you know when you can hear you're on a phone and you're talking to an automated service and it's like, hello, Douglas is not available right now. You know what I mean? They do that sort of like input information here 
and they do that in the text, and I thought that was kind of fun. But who? Do anyone know who Boss is? No, I think it's just a. I think it's just a the current program. I don't think so. Like the thing with uh, with Jarvis and Friday is that they were inspired by people yeah. in his life. I think this. I got the impression that this is just like an AI 1.0. Yeah. You know, just like you said, almost just like a Siri, mm-hmm. a high functioning Siri. Yeah. Um, because they don't explain it and they don't tell you what the acronym BOSS is. Right. It's just he calls it boss. So I'm assuming, like, if it's not something that was introduced in Dan Slott's run, which I doubt it was, he'll probably get into what it is yeah. or he'll talk about it at some point. Yeah, this feels like a, like, I don't want to say a hard reboot, but it kind of is with regard to the character. And it's it's a great jumping on point. I, I actually might stick around for a little bit this time. <laughs> yeah, I actually might read more than an issue. Yeah. <laughs> That's usually how it goes with Iron Man, is I get excited by the movies and I go, oh, what a fun character. And then I read the comics and I go... All right. Well, man, what's Spider Man doing? <laughs> what do you? What's Pete it, up to? Uh, I th- I feel like a book like this is, um, first of all, knock on wood. A book like this is it's a flagship character, so you're gonna at least get an arc or two out of it mm-hmm. before it changes hands again. Yeah. I loved this art so much. I would almost rather just wait till it's collected in a larger format mm-hmm. than take it every week. Uh, but I don't know. I haven't decided yet. It's, I, it, I would highly recommend it. Yeah, same. Ditto. Uh, yeah. Let's move on to Giant Size X-Men Storm number one by Jonathan Hickman with art and cover by Russell Dowderman. In Giant Size X-Men, Jean Grey and Emma Frost, Hickman and Dowderman took Jean and Emma into Storm's mind to learn what had happened to her. Now, they take the X-Men's resident goddess to the far end of the world to save herself. So, I am super disappointed in myself for forgetting to read this issue. I was so looking forward to it, and I definitely wanted to talk to Len about it because in the the previously mentioned Jean Grey and Emma Frost one-shot, Len was of the mind that Storm got a little bit of the shaft, story-wise and character a little, right? Yeah. And um, I was curious to see if this issue was going to fix that. Uh, and I was really curious to see how this was going to turn out. And I just... I, completely forgot to even read it so someone take it away len um yeah the the, the previously on x-men storm uh gene gray and emma frost went uh, went took a stroll through her head to find out about this virus that had taken taken her over and now they we almost pick up like right after they're telling her about it and they're trying to figure out exactly what can be done with this. Now, of course, in the X-Men universe now, it's like, why you have to worry about being dead? Because you can just be resurrected. But Storm doesn't want to go that route because to Storm, the um, life is only worth living if you're fighting for to live on. So she wants she wants to live on, not just you know give in and, and hit a reboot. Um, but she's offered an opportunity to find a reboot by, um, and I just do a blank on the character's name, uh, with all the spikes. Um, uh, not Magneto. What's, what her, what's her name? No, no, no. Keep turning the page. You'll, 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 she comes up. She comes up right there, right there. Oh, um, Monet. Monet, that's right. I knew it was an M. Monet, um, says that she has figured out a way, she's figured out how to save her and basically she gets a team of you know 
X-Men to break into um, this uh, complex that I think AIM has created where there's a machine that can extract the virus from Storm. And they need Phantomex, or however you say Phantomex, or however you say that that guy's name. Phantomex. There you go, Phantomex, to to help them. And Monet gets Doug slash Warlock to help her. Why? I don't know. It doesn't seem, I don't necessarily see why he needs to be on on the team to to do this. But they they, at the end of the day, they figure out a way to extract this virus from Storm. It's a big bloated issue that I don't think has to be as bloated as it is. The art is reasonably pretty, even though I don't necessarily think that it sells the action very well. I see what Dowderman is trying to do with Storm by giving her slightly African f- features and the flattest, flatter face like you might find in some African um, uh, people. I see what he's trying to do there, but at the end of the day, it that just didn't really connect with me. I believe I read somewhere in the solicitation for this book that this is going to be like a kind of bit of a game changer for Storm. It is not a game changer for Storm at all. It is basically just part two of that story. Um, she doesn't really have a whole lot of agency in this story at all either. Um, so at the end of the day, as pretty as the colors are, um, as loosely interesting as it is to see Warlock again, because who was a I was always a big fan from Warlock from way back when I used to read X Men, um, and and it's nice to see kind of like Storm kind of be the center of a story. At the end of the day, this was thirty six pages of meh for me, and I felt that it. Again, it showed that they still don't know quite what to do with this character. It does not stick the landing at all. No. Uh, so I liked it a little bit more than you. Um, <laughs> the it, it was it was more than just a second issue. It, it was actually like a third or a fourth because these other other than the Magneto giant size, these giant sizes have all kind of in their own way led up to this. So that first one of Jean Grey and and uh, and Emma Frost, where they were the central characters and found out about this this organic virus inside of her, which she got from the Tomorrow Children. Um, and then there was a separate story about Phantom X and him visiting his twin brother in the world every ten or fifteen years breaking into it as it as it transforms and disappears and that's where kind of this other whole facet of the story originates from that was that seemed unconnected is connected now with Monet knowing that inside the world is something or an AI that could actually pull this out of her to me the game changing parts were it did pull it out of her she makes very specific mention that she falls at like feels at full capacity but then shows that she's fucking wrecks everything so i feel like i feel like it's a power up or a, or a secondary mutation for her that's going to be revealed yeah. but then also the virus that's extracted from her immediately in the world because in inside the world everything kind of evolves at a much faster pace than what's happening on the outside of the world this virus 
immediately becomes sentient on its own inside of a bubble and starts talking to Doug. Right. Um, so I, I think this is a bit of a pivotal issue when it comes to all those Tomorrow Children and Inside the World and, and all that old Grant Morrison-y stuff. And I do think that this is potentially a, a, a power change for her, like in a really cool and good way. See, I don't see so, it. As, I don't see it as a power change because while she does say that she, like, yeah, I feel like I'm at full capacity. To me, if anything, that may be just a commentary on that they've been giving her short rift all along, and now she's back to where she was. I don't think like it's a level up. I think mm. the, the one thing I will say is that she says I'm restored. She says I'm a goddess. And when the character of Storm was first introduced, she did have carry that air about her because the people where she was where she lived and, and and raised saw her as a goddess so it sounds like maybe it's a return to form power wise there because mm-hmm. ever since then she's basically just been you know a, a weather wizard more or less you know so <laughs> i i I don't see it as a level up i see it it maybe as a return to where she needs she she was before and i guess i guess like a restoration right and i guess maybe in reading that that is good if that is actually what happened and and that is somebody paying attention to where that character should be power wise and respect wise within the marvel universe and and doing something to get her right in a story that gets her back there so i guess in thinking that through all right i'll i'll give it a big ups for that i just there's a part of me that didn't like that she it, it again she it's called giant size X-Men Storm and she still is not that big of part in Yeah, you're you're totally right. Like the way that this whole I, you know what I'm going to call it like a series, all of these giant size issues. The way that it's kind of rolled out is it's it's central to Storm, but she's not the central character. Yeah, like it's it's all bit like the entirety of this of the all the stakes that are raised are based off of how important she is. However, the story itself isn't about her importance. It's it's like they're telling me instead of showing me that she's this regal character, which which I contend it's an issue. Um, but I liked where it all ended up. I liked where they like this is this could potentially be the primer for her being um, like they had to do all of this kind of arranging the table yeah and then also too where everything is left with the other stuff in the story where the world's like phantom x and that aim guy who i kind of dug i kind of dug him too i'll I'll give you that yeah decided to stay in the world so that's gonna come back wait that's gonna come back later and warlock feeling comfortable coming like because he was he was latched on to to doug who i forget his name his actual like warlock mutant name no his mutant name um is it there in the beginning? Hold on. Hold on. We're gonna, like, I keep calling him Doug because that's what, like, him and Krakoa talking. He's, Cypher, Cypher. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Um, him and, like, I like the idea, of, so, like, he was on Cypher the whole time and, like, hiding, but I like the idea that he's, like, a, he's essentially a symbiote now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on Cypher, which I think is really, really cool considering they're very different people. Um, I, I like, I like... If this was just an exercise in arranging, like rearranging the table and clearing the board, it was successful. If this was, if you came at this wanting it to be a Cracker Jack Storm story, yeah, I'd be disappointed too. 
Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Yeah. If this was giant size X-Men or just an issue of X-Men, I still will be complaining like, y'all don't know what y'all doing with Storm. But it's giant size X-Men. It's fine. But because, because yeah. it's giant size X-Men, like to me, the giant size X-Men Storm number one should be the issue after this where Storm, where you see, okay, where did all yeah, this you're leave right. Storm? Where it establishes her new status quo, whatever it's supposed to be, just a story about her as opposed to like it's it's a it's basic storytelling, right? Like if right. you want if you want somebody to be this important, you show me how they're important. Don't just keep telling me they're important, right? Yeah. So yeah, this is and that measure it's it it doesn't work. Yeah. Dang but it. I, I still enjoyed it. Like all the X Men stuff this week that I read. Sorry. X Men eleven twelve and this I enjoyed them. I like I like Hickman's almost weird detached approach to these characters <laughs> because there are so many, and it's I don't know it just kind of works like a, like a really fascinating um, scientific article as opposed to an emotional soap opera. Like he has this really weird detached way of approaching these characters. It's not a careless way. It's just kind of like emotionally detached. Like this is what happened, and there's no fluff. It's really it. I'm starting to really gel with it, and I like it a lot. It's weird, yeah. Nice. It's weird. It's weird. But I mean, hey, who am I to say? A lot of, a lot of people are loving it, and there are aspects of what Hickman is doing with X Men that I do enjoy. So I would be, you know, inclined to to stick with it. But that's just the the pit that I nicked, or Nick that I pit. Good, Nick. <laughs> My microphone's falling over. <laughs> Not a fan. Of, it's not a fan of Hickman's work. Uh, let's move on to Thor number seven. Uh, something. Oh, okay. So written by Dan, Dan Donnie Donnie Cates. I almost said Danny Coates. Donnie Cates with art by Aaron <laughs> Cooter and a cover by Olivier Coipel. Something is wrong with Mjolnir. And this is a poor time for the All-Father of Asgard to lose his primary weapon. The Golden City is in chaos after Galactus's ill-timed visit, but there are some new threats on the horizon. Thor needs his hammer now more than ever, and yet the Uru grows heavier with every passing day. What will it take for the God of Thunder to hang on to one of the most powerful weapons in the multiverse? I don't know. I guess they'll tell us eventually. I will say I did not read this book. This is the one book that I did not get to. Um, so I did not read it. I looked through it. It looked cool. I saw there was, a, like, in flipping through it, there was a panel where, if I, if I remember correctly, like, uh, a phone number is on Mjolnir or yeah. something like that. Yeah. I was like, what? I was like, that's why I saved it to the end. I said, like, all right, I got to save this to the end. I don't know what the hell is happening on this joint. Um, it looked it's cool. It's a callback. It's a callback. Uh, Tony Stark did that to the hammer. So the hammer was somewhere, and Tony took a Sharpie and wrote on it, like, <laughs> call me, you, you dummy, or something like that. And when he got it back, so, like, this was a this was a, a fair play where he literally, like, engraved Tony Stark's personal phone number on Mjolnir. So he, he essentially uh, doxed him. Yeah. He doxed him via Mjolnir. That's amazing. A, Across dimensions. So what we have, I don't know if you guys remember the JMS run on Thor. Basically, um, the hammer fell to um, Broxton, Broxton, Oklahoma. 
And uh, yeah. for, for a while there, the Asgardians all lived in Broxton, and, and Broxton was a very big part of the Marvel Universe with regard to, um, you know, the Asgardians and the Thor mythos and all that sort of stuff. So now, we are returning to Broxton. There is a guy fixing his car, and of course, down plummets from the heavens, Mjolnir creating a giant crater yet again in Broxton, <laughs> and all of the people are, you know, they've gone back to check out the hammer again, and... Um, Basically, the guy goes and looks at the hammer, dials a phone number, and gets Tony Stark, at which point Tony Stark goes, how did, this is a very private phone number, how did you get this? And then you see on Mjolnir, call Tony Stark, and then his, his phone number. So that was, a, that was a really good gag, I thought that was really funny. And Thor, throughout this run, the six issues by Tony Cates, has been feeling Mjolnir just getting heavier and heavier, and he wasn't sure if it was just the weight of the crown, uh, if he was feeling like maybe he was becoming unworthy again, all of these uh, questions he was asking himself. And so he's trying to get to the bottom of it. And the, I guess the final cliffhanger is that someone else gets to pick it up. Well, I think it's, I think it's that everyone is going to be able to pick it up. So like the, the, the general conceit is that something, something has happened to where the, the, the enchantment, whoever is worthy, possesses the powers of Thor, something about the enchantment has kind of reversed itself. That Thor is not that he's unworthy anymore. It's heavier for him and, and lighter for everyone else, mm-hmm. which Donny Cates seated at, I think the first issue yeah. because um, Loki was able to pick it up mm-hmm. and he was like, oh, weird. Yeah. Okay. And then put it down. Uh, but this idea that – so um, we meet this this mechanic, um, Adam. Adam, I think yep. it is. And he's just a good dude. He's an ex-con that's kept his, himself clean for the last like 20 years, works on cars, doesn't charge his, uh, doesn't charge, uh, his, his clients that can't afford it. He's just chilling, right? He goes to touch the hammer, picks it up, and boom, he's he's a Thor. Yeah. So it's, it's this weird, and it doesn't it doesn't diminish the power of of Odin's son. It's just like, all right, so it's not special anymore. So or something about this is less special, and someone else can do it. What does that mean? And I love how this is all all of this happening is framed around a conversation between Thor and um, Beta Ray Bill. Because in the last arc, Thor beat the absolute shit out of out of uh, out of Bill, and smashed Stormbringer his hammer. Uh, so it's this kind of like, my bad, dude. Uh, but can you tell me about Thanos? Is he really dead? And then he it, like he introduces the idea that the Mjolnir, there's something wrong. This is this is awesome. This this whole issue is awesome. It. it it create <laughs> he's calling it um it introduced a new arc hold yeah. hold on hold on a second um two one two nine seven zero four one three three call speaker hi yes this is iron man however due to some big blonde jerk i no longer use this number but hey nice try anyway for all things Tony Stark, please visit www.tonystarkironman.com and uh, try and stay safe out there, yeah? I'm busy enough as it is. I nice. love it! Nice! Nice. Yeah, well done. That's amazing! 
Well done. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I was just so excited. No, that was awesome. That's awesome. Uh, any, any, literally anytime I see a URL on a TV show or in a comic book uh, or a Twitter account, like you know how earlier we were talking about how people were tweeting to Iron Man. Um, they do that in a lot of comics these days. And anytime I see a Twitter account, I'll like, oh, I wonder if that's a real Twitter account, if they're like doing a fake in-world Twitter account for that character. And uh, it always tickles me when they do stuff like that. Continue, Noel. I apologize. Oh no! This was just this was um this was a really good transition issue. Like it it's still uh, a lot of times when it comes to like arc to arc, they'll forget about something for a couple issues to like build suspense, which I think is it's kind of bullshit. The characters are <laughs> well. I mean, it's it's um it's like a it's like a fabricated way of of creating uh anticipation as opposed to like these characters are still dealing with X Y and Z. So it's it's cleaning up or dealing with the other revelations while introducing a new mm-hmm. thing and like how they're intrinsically connected. It's just, it's just smart story. It's cool. I like it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. This is, a, this series yeah. has been great. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. And I, I love, I, there's a, there's a genuine confidence to Thor where he's just like, yeah, I'll, I want to see if somebody else is able to pick it up. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to invite it. Like he invites this to happen. Yeah. For random person to be able to to gain the, the the powers of Thor, which I think is cool. Another nice little tidbit I think was he's trying to talk. He's talking to Sif, his buddy, mm. and he sends a black raven, which through some mysticism transfers his voice like a speaker out of the beak of the of the bird. And she's like, you know, they've got cell phones, right? And he's like, I like the birds better. <laughs> it's just a it's a nice little touch. Yeah, he's like a he's like a he's a old he's old he's oldie he's an old guy. Yeah. Like he, uh, uh, Donny Cates writes him not like um, almost just I think probably around our age we're like yeah we get technology but sometimes we just like to do it this yeah. way so relax yeah <laughs> I like that ditto uh, yeah this this series has been great I'm very excited to be reading it let's move on to what book I don't know. What's on the list? I'll tell you. It's Captain America number 23, written by ta Coates, with art by Bob Quinn and a cover by Alex Ross. All Die Young continues. A restoration. A resurrection. A bit of redemption. And the return of Cap's number one foe. That didn't happen. That didn't, didn't, did it? Oh. The number one foe part didn't happen. I'm sorry. I'm, oh, wait. Oh, no. Did my microphone? No, no we, we hear, hear you. you. Oh, Christopher Goodnight says the Allfather loses his most powerful weapon right as JD's microphone goes. Oh, because it bonked me in the. That's right. It was falling. Uh, yeah. Loki picked it up that one time. It's a link to buy the issue. Oh, that's cool. The link that he mentions on the thing is a link to buy the issue. Uh, Noel, would you say it's a good seventh issue? He's back uh, on it's, Thor. It's, uh, no, no, it's not a. It's 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 a very good seventh issue. It's not a classic seventh <sighs> issue. Those. Those classic seven issues are when they don't talk about what just happened and what's going to happen. They're just like in between fillers that yeah. focus on one character somewhere else, or they decide to play softball. Classic seventh. That's a classic seventh. Uh, this is freaking me out. Chris says, "I love when they do that with phone numbers." I know both Gilmore Girls and Supernatural have used actual numbers in the show before. There was a number that I could call in the Gilmore Girls. I could have. What? Tell me more about this Gilmore Girls phone number. God you damn can probably it. Google it. I'm a well. Listen, I'm doing a show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Never stop. But you before. invite other. 
JD, I think you missed the penis joke, he says. I did. I definitely missed Never. the penis joke. Um, all right. Anyway, I'm sorry. Okay. Captain America. I haven't really been reading it. I know Noel has been loving the ta Coates run on the Cap book. So, mm-hmm. Noel, why don't you take it away, son? Um, I love this book. So I'll just start that. Like, there's no – there's all bias. I love this book. <clears throat> and it, I love it because it is – the distillation of literally every style of Captain America over the years. So we've had Captain America deal with fascists. We've had, and not even just in this book. I'm talking about historically. Deal with fascists. Deal with wartime efforts. Deal with magic. Deal with body swapping. Deal with man out of time. Deal with with um, with patriotism. Uh, all of it is a distillation in here. There's Tanahisi Coates has um, successfully in, in 23 issues. He has successfully balanced um, all of the different styles of Captain America books. Like, there's some Grunwald in here. There's some Brubaker in here. There's there's even some Rick Remender stuff in here. Like, he gets Captain America. And then he takes all of that information and shoots it through a prism of current events, of, of current toxicities, of current um, issues. And shoots it through a and prism of just, current events sorry of, of current <laughs> hey at least it wasn't porn <laughs> that's fair <laughs> he he um he definitely manages being able to tell a rousing comic book story but also it's it's much more thoughtful and 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 wonderful as a whole and i just i absolutely love this book uh this issue specifically was um it was slick it was just really slick like there's been a lot of things that have been going on between um, magic and and Sharon Carter losing half of her soul. There's this this uh, this character this this I forget her name this um this magic character with uh, the bl- the red marine like her 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 gem that essentially steals souls. In order to feed it, she kind of creates a cult of personality of uh, disenfranchised middle American white people right and lures them in with yeah lures them in with with these with these um platitudes and promises that she understands their plights and and the rest of the world doesn't and gets them to kind of do things for her and then she steals she steals their souls (laughs) um so you've got like uh them fighting this and 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 all the stuff that goes on and and it all culminates with sharon donning armor donning like the iron patriot armor and just just going after the Celine character. And it was incredibly satisfying because Captain America and for a lot of this book, at least since the like issue 12, Captain America has been part of an ensemble cast, not the star of this book. And it's so incredibly effective. They use him as a, almost like a blunt instrument in this book, not the absolute center, which is really, really really good um i love this book and it, it ends with a with a nice restoration i like this page i'm watching i'm looking at right now on the screen um where uh sharon yeah yeah sharon is uh just hamming up uh what's her name uh, celine celine just punching her full force with a metal armor and she's going yes queen yes damn it karma for cultural appropriation and then <laughs> something bad happens but i thought that was pretty funny um it's, does Celine have uh, is she is she able to take just 
full-on punches to the face from yeah. a suit of armor. She's, so she's she's powered by the souls that she's stolen. So the more souls she has, the more powerful she is. So the whole the whole fight here is a rope a dope where she allows Celine to just keep pummeling her, mm-hmm. pummeling her, and then get keep getting pummeled. So she loses strength and she could take her out yeah well there's a really nice um monologue in here where sharon is talking about um young athletes versus the older versions of those same athletes and how they come out of the box and they're a very specific sort of fighter um Mm -hmm. like um oh what's his name ah fudge well, here it is. You see, young Michael Jordan could leap from the foul line. This was impressive. But old Michael Jordan could fade away from anywhere. That was unstoppable. Cassius Clay was young and had the fastest hands boxing had ever seen. But Ali had the wisdom and the toughness of his years, and he knew how to enjoy the flurry, how to rope-a-dope the opponent, outlast him until he punched himself out. Pretty. Yeah. Uh, that was a nice so, little tie-in. I like that. The uh, The... The... Spoiler reveal at the end of this is so Sharon Carter has been older for the last like two reboots of this book because back in Remender's run, she was on Dimension Z for I think like 15 years. So she has she was aged up and then Captain America or then Steve was aged down. So they've had this kind of like what's what's it called? The the spring and autumn romance or summer winter romance like they he she was an older woman and he was a younger man, even though he's technically a hundred years older than her, which was really funny, but she's been older. This whole monologue leaned into the fact that when she, when they win and she gets her, the piece of her soul that was missing back, she's de-aged. So she is back to original in current continuity aged, um, Sharon Carter. Mm -hmm. But instead of it coming off as just a gimmick to make this woman sexier or something, it is a – the whole monologue is her espousing, like, the benefits of, of wisdom, of age, and she's going to miss – like, she's, she literally says that she's going to miss the, the – the, the, like, the, the way her body feels now because it's lived in and it's, it's – there's a benefit to it and an understanding of it. And to start fresh is almost – it's almost like going back to square one as yeah. opposed to – your lived experiences. And I've never read that before. Yeah. Usually it's just like, I'm young again and I win. Like it, this was really cool. Yeah, she says, I liked it a lot. the aches, the injuries, they were wisdom, lessons etched into my body. I am trying to hold on to some of that, trying even now to find a reason to find meaning. So. Yeah. I, it, was a, it was a really cool juxtaposition. You've got like on the panel, you've got this older woman being rejuvenated to younger, maybe like 15 years, 15, 20 years younger. But the words themselves are almost a mourning of the person she was, which is really, really cool. And also it sounds like, you know, this is issue 23 and she's been this way for quite a while, even before that, I think. So it's not like it's unearned. Yeah. Well, so I've been reading the remender run and she just came back older. And that was, I think 2014. Yeah. So it's been a while. So she's, she's been older for, yeah, like six or six or seven years. Did oh, Detective Comics number ten twenty seven by Peter J. Tomasi, and a, you know it's a bunch of people. It's a whole bunch of people. Brad Walker, it's a whole lot of people. Yeah, 
Uh, and it's brought to us by Peter J. Tomasi, Brad Walker, Brian Michael Bendis, David Marquez, Chip Zdarsky and Matt Fraction, Greg Rucco with Ardorado Riso, James Tinian, Riley Rosmo, Kelly Sudaconic, JRJR, Dan Jurgens, Kevin Nallen, Scott Snyder, even Ivan Rice, Tom King, Walt Simonson, Grant Morrison, Chris Burnham, Marv Wolfman, Emanuela Lupacino. Diamond has this to say. Light the bat signal because Detective Comics 1027 is here. In honor of Batman's first appearance, blah, 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 this special book-sized celebration brings you the biggest names in comics, blah, blah, Batman Adventures Gotham City, blah, who murdered Gotham's most corrupt police officer, what does the Joker's annual visit mean for Bruce Wayne, and most importantly, what Wayne Tech mystery will sow the seeds of the next epic Batman event? All this and more await you within the pages of the biggest Batman issue of them all. I like these books for the most part. I, I like when we get a bunch of top-tier creators talking about a top-tier character and doing things, little mini-vignettes of things that may or may not have been explored at length in previous issues or previous runs. I think um, uh, every creator gets to say a little something that they've wanted to say about this character. And generally... For the most part, I think you get a lot of really good, interesting takes on the character that we may not have seen up until this point. Um, so this is this is one of those this is one of those anniversary that's not really an anniversary issues because mm-hmm. ten twenty seven is the uh, um, the thousandth issue with Batman of Detective. So Detective Comics number twenty seven was the one that premiered or debuted Batman. Before that, it was just a crime book. Yeah. With no vigilante superhero yeah. or hero. So even though we just celebrated less than two, like about two years ago, just celebrated thousandth issue, mm. we're here again with a 140-page giant jam book. Uh, it's a 144-page mega spectacular. Did you guys have any favorites? I did. Um there was um, looking for it. The story by surprisingly Scott Snyder and Ivan Rice, um, which deals with it's told from Commissioner Gordon's point of view of uh, his dealings with Batman and um, basically the world that that Batman envisions in his mind mm-hmm. um, and how Batman is is always there when he when he needs him and him thinking about Batman, you know, standing amongst the Justice League but still being there for Gotham City with it, when it, when he needs. Um, I thought that was kind of cool. I thought that was something, one of the few stories that offered something different as far as far as a point of view on Batman. Um, there was also, which was the story. Uh, Oh, which is that John Romita, uh, Kelly Dusaconic, uh, oh, Kelly yeah, that Sue, one's good. Dina Conic, and John Romita's <coughs> four. Um, that was like a nice little tight little little Bruce Wayne story right there. Um, mm-hmm. I love that. I love I love John Romita's art in there. It's been a long time since I've I've loved R- Romita Junior's art, so I appreciated that as well. Um, there, there's a couple of other like you know things that are kind of cool or interesting. Um, I'm a little bummed that there are a couple of stories that are as good as they are that are lead-ins to something else. So I, I think that's a, that's kind of not fair to have that in this book. Um, but as it were, they were still cool. Dan Jurgen's story with Kevin Nolan is good, if for no other reason, because I can look at Kevin Nolan, draw the 
brought the uh, phone book. So that was dope. Um, the GIF by Mariko Tamaki and Dan Mora is expertly done. You definitely feel like that's going to lead into something else. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, and, and that Dead Man story right there, that was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. That was that was a fun. That, that should almost be like in a, a stupid little Batman, like a DC I don't know why, like a Halloween special or something like that. That's how much fun that was. Um, uh, there's some fun stuff in it. And so, you know, it, it's cool. You know you know how I feel, all these anniversary issues. Batman has had like eight anniversary issues in the last year. Yep. So I'm like, like, I'm like, okay, how many more little bits of Batmanisms can we get? I mean, I, I still feel like they're kind of like going over the same story beats the same same treads you know getting the mm-hmm. whole bat family get together again in the um master class story by Byron michael bendis a cool little story but we've kind of seen it before definitely classic bendis um yeah i'm still waiting for my lois lane special i want my lois lane special okay no so what did you I, think i i um this was mostly strong there's there's like there was only, I think, two that came to mind as just not really enjoying them or thinking that they were weird. So I didn't. Um, you're sh- you're showing one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, I did like that. By Grant Morrison and Chris Burnham. Chris Burnham is one of my favorite artists that isn't featured that much in big two books. Like he does a lot of creator own stuff with with Grant Morrison ever since Batman Incorporated. But I love his stuff. It's just so wonky and weird. Like, yeah, he the, those are the creepiest looking. Uh, villains, yeah. super eyebrow striped man, and, and I don't know. It's he's a weird artist, and I love it. But um, the Odyssey, I think it was called by Marv Wolfman. I did not like that story. Mm. I thought that that was weird and boring. Like it was, it was like thirty pounds in a five pound bag, and it just was all over the place. Was that the um, underwater the one? Podcast, yeah, podcasting on the bottom of the ocean kind of yeah. thing I, I actually didn't make it through that one vignette <laughs> i just i, I was like, like i it. don't care about this skip and and as as much as i enjoyed the the brian michael bendis and, and dave marquez one art was beautiful all of the characters voices were down pat um their interplay with each other was awesome but every time that they panned out and showed you where they were they're all quipping next to a dead body yeah right like the tone of the book was so weird because they all kind of like the Bat family converges on a crime scene and there's a dead cop there, right? And then they start telling jokes with each other and 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 digging at each other like family does, but and and you start to fall for it, you start to get into it because it's just like haha, that's how they would react with each other. But then they pan out and they remind you, oh, they're hovering over a dead body, yeah. and it just felt tonally weird. Yeah, but you know what? That happens in almost like you. Go to um, Law and Order. Law and Order. Classic Law and Order starts off with Jerry Orbach making a joke over a dead body at every single it. episode. It's it's like a rule of two, right? Though, so like when it's one to two people talking about each other and like you know, kind of volleying back and forth because they're either uncomfortable or it's normal. That's fine, but for some reason it felt egregious because there were like six people there. <laughs> I feel like I'm joking. About, yeah, it became like a it became like a joke fest. Yeah over a dead body it's just like this is weird this is weirdish right um but then also i really did like the um 
the Greg Rucka and Eduardo Rizzo one. Oh, I did like that one. I... It was it was the the idea of a person of a female person of color doing like jumping through every single uh, unreachable hoop to get into the GCPD. JD, go and go then, back real quick, real quick, just on that story. Go back to those those two pages that when you yep. read them are like it's it's animation one on one because it's you you flip it and it, it's the same page but it's the next panel, it's the next bit of each panel. Oh, it was great. I, I love it. Was it was beautiful. Well, it it shows the two experience like this whole this whole thing is like about two experiences uh, interlaid on top of each other. Her like the experience of becoming a police officer. On the left and on the right, her explicit experience mm-hmm. in becoming a police officer because it was so incredibly – it was much more difficult. It was much more um, painful. Yeah. And, and how it all kind of plays out, it was, it was a way of telling – it was weird. And especially, you know, like I, 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 how can I not um, consider it today, right? right? Telling a story about a good cop in the middle of a sea of shit – was in this manner was very effective yeah. for me. This was my favorite one. People, who we are as people and experiences is not necessarily what we do, but be like, it, it, it goes a little bit along the ways of how easily it could be, uh, how, how it could for somebody to be terrible and the, the active choices to not be terrible. It was just, I, I really, really, really liked this mm-hmm. book. This, this is this uh, short story. Yeah, you know, I've, I've when I'm, Telling people in my store recommendations uh, for books that I like, uh, even just as recently as this past week for a book club that we do at my shop, or you know, with my shop every Tuesday night at eight o'clock. The book we did last week was Black Magic, also by Greg Rucco, with art by Nicola Scott, and we were talking about you know sort of propaganda and all of the stories, TV shows, comics, and stuff that um, sort of elevate the police force to a certain level and it's widely accepted but through in the past six months of sort of like even higher tensions uh, than usual um, or at least higher visibility than usual um, how these stories are going to change and I was wondering if Craig Rucka who writes cop dramas like Gotham Central were to revisit those and restart them from scratch currently would we have a different point of view and would he be telling us a different story? And so I like that he actually did that here. I was having that exact conversation mm-hmm. with a customer about Gotham Central and what Greg, because he wanted to get the omnibus. And he's like, but also I just, I, I wonder, you know, about the whole cop thing. And I, I wonder what would happen if it was written today. And I said, well, pick up 10, Detective Comics 1027 because he does it there. It's the same exact writer. Yeah. Th- yeah. There's a, there's a, it's, it's weird. Um, not all fiction involving police is propaganda. No. Whereas, but a lot of the most popular stuff is. So when you look at something like Lethal Weapon, it's like they're they're praised for being terrible cops. Like they are they are deified because they're they murder everyone. They jump from they they incite tons and tons of property damage, and they are incredibly terrible with witnesses. Like they're fucking vigilantes and they're, they're awful at their jobs. But we in popular fiction, um, not only support, but worship that. Yeah. 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 But just showing the processes of the job does not make it propaganda. does not 
propagate any kind of false pretense that this is a difficult, you know, station in life, right? Yeah. Stuff like this, stuff like um, Gotham Central, they don't, de- if anything, the whole conceit is that they don't deify cops. They show you just how awful uh, or how absolute absolute power can corrupt. Uh, absolutely, right? It, it's just, I, I don't I don't shy away from reading, personally, I don't shy away from reading anything that involves cops. It's just, what story are you telling and is it dangerous? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I appreciate that, this, I will give it up, I appreciate that this story um, also is a way of recognizing what came before Batman and Detective, because it was cop stories, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And okay. this was, while Batman is there, very much a cop story. I, I actually didn't enjoyed that story as well. I thank y'all for reminding me because this was one of the first books I read, so I didn't immediately remember that one. So, uh, thank you. That it was one. 100, it's 144 pages to remember. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a lot to remember. Um, but yeah, that was really a, a good one. And, and it was good to see Eduardo Riso's um, art again with, some, with someone else. I, I remind, reminded how much I do enjoy his artwork. Mm-hmm. So it was really fun to return to that. Um, also, it was fun to you flipping through Walt Simonson. It was fun to see him yeah. back in comics as well. That Tom King issue was great, or the Tom King story was great. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That, was, that was pretty. That was pretty cool. Like, there's some there's fun some fun parts about it. It's 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 fun. I, I'm not you know it's a fun book. I think if you bought this book, a, a Batman fan bought this book, they would enjoy it. They find a lot to enjoy. They find uh, um, things to look forward to. The whole generation story, like I mentioned, by Dan Jerkins and um, Kevin Nolan, it's kind of interesting. The art was interesting, and the the what it seeds as to a certain Batman playing a part in another bigger story. Um, I don't want to give it away exactly what Batman it is, but um, it sows the seeds for a little bit of a bigger story. That was kind of cool, and like I, like I said, Kevin Nolan's art was fun. Oh, I love that pinup, that Lynn, uh, Lee Bermejo pinup. Bermejo, yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's perfect. I, I love that because that is like a scene right out of the old Batman um, 40s serial, only that it, he actually looks like he's in shape can we, as a fat dough. Can we talk a little bit about these um, anniversary issues, these giants? Because there have been a lot in the last like two years. Ever since Detective and, and Action 1000, right. these have been – every other month there's an 100, 140-80-page giant and it's just like a – about the characters, and I think personally that they are getting better, and it's kind of boring to talk about them now because they're just they're just anthology series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as they're going, I think DC's getting better at them because the the earlier ones like Robin and and even you know Detective One Thousand, there was a lot of filler. There was a shit ton of pinups, and as and as and as wonderful as pinups are, it's just like okay. Is this an extra? Like, is this worth the extra fifty or you know three dollars for like thirty pinups? That's not what I'm looking for. These are getting stronger and stronger. Like, if you would have told me two years ago that I would thoroughly enjoy a Catwoman eighty page giant <laughs> or a Joker one, right, right, right. Like these are these are they're just getting better. So as it's hard, like, would I recommend this? I mean, maybe. 
but it's it's really specific. Like you yeah. gotta really, because it's it's not a quick read. Like when these come out now, it's a habit to like I'll read a, a couple of them and then I'll read the rest of my books. And right. then this is usually like I finished this last night, whereas I read everything else on Thursday. Yeah. So I, I, like they're meaty. It's hard in weekly books, right? It is. It is. They and you're right. They are meaty. Sure. The stories are becoming more consequential. They they feel they feel like they like oh all right they, they yeah. got a little something to them and 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 they're a little bit longer. Um, it, like you said, there's just been so many Batman centric ones that that becomes the overkill. The truth of the matter is is that this medium, the comic book medium, is going on about a hundred years old. So it makes makes sense that here in the first quarter of the 21st century that you're going to have a lot of anniversaries that are that are coming around the thing is is that as as good as they are there are other anniversaries besides batman and superman there are captain marvel anniversaries i mean as much as we as much as we champion superman and, and batman there were heroes before them that are no, still around, yeah. you know. Completely agree, and they like. Uh, I think the format of these has changed over the last two years too, because they were doing. So it was issue one thousand and issue one thousand for for action and, and detective, and then and then it was uh, Wonder Woman seven fifty, mm-hmm. and that was a, a ten dollar big book. Uh, Flash seven fifty was a big to- uh, ten dollar book, and then the anniversaries started coming because they were characters that didn't have runs that long. Right. So you had uh, Green Lantern eighty. Mm-hmm. The um, Flash in eighty. Joker. Oh, the Flash no. seven fifty. Catwoman, Joker, Robin. Uh, but yeah, uh, no Lois Lane, no Lois Lane at all. No Lois Lane. No uh, Alf. Well, Alfred's not eighty. How, however, I implore you, Mister Trade Waiter, get, get. The the I think they solicited the Greg Rucka and um, Mike Perkins twelve issue maxi series Lois Lane that just ended. Mm-hmm. Get, it, get it! It's so good. Get it! It is it is it is in my shopping cart along with Batman Universe. Thank so, you very much. And and um, so I will be you know getting them. I'll probably be coming down to the the hero complex and have JD order it for me. Order it, what? It is it starts it starts with a little journalist story and then mm-hmm. it explodes to the fabric of the multiverse. Like it is awesome. What? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh the Lois Lane series. Oh, right on. Yeah. Um all right. With the, all these an- wait, wait a minute, real quick. With all these anniversaries that have been happening on the the DC side, it's um it stands to reason that Marvel is going to have more anniversaries that they're going to have to start championing, right? Are there any that we are looking forward to or that you would want to see championed in, in this same way? Like, I could see them easily doing, like, a Captain America one. Yeah. In this format? Yeah. Like, a, like a, a prestige 100-page, 100 100-page 100 right. thing? Um, I'm going to look... I'm, I'm going to cheat and look at my show. I can see Captain... Well... Captain America is probably the only one. Captain America, um, Namor, I got it, and Human Torch yeah. are the ones that immediately come to mind. Who their anniversary might be coming up soon because they kind of like are around the same timeline as you know. Well, isn't Spider Man getting a fifty? Is fifty years right uh, in twenty twenty three? Twenty three? I don't know. All I know he is that they're doing. 
they're doing an 850 special, right? Yeah. Um, I, you know what I would like to see? Like, I, I don't, I haven't done the math. I don't know if they're going to have anniversaries anytime soon, but I would love to see, um, you know, I'll preamble this. I think that these two characters lean well towards little short stories by tons of different writers. I would love to see a giant anniversary jam issue or anthology of Punisher. Cause as a long, like there's only so many stories long form to tell, but I think you can insert him in so many places for like little short, awesome ones. And Wolverine, I would, I would read a, cause there's been so many different versions of the character. There's been so many, like he's been alive for almost 200 years. Like, you could do a bunch of shit with Wolverine that I think would be really, really You know, cool. I think would be good for a, a, a comic with a bunch of vignettes like that. Mystique. Oh. That would be cool. That yeah. would be really cool. Mystique would be a good one. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like yeah. that. Um, so that is, th- those are the week's books. We did it. Yay! Hoo-ah. Uh, so we, we could do the next part of the show, which we lovingly call Gutter Talk. Gutter Talk! Len, tell the people what Gutter Talk is. Gutter Talk is when we talk about all the things that happen in the white spaces of the comic page, ladies and gentlemen. All that good gooey stuff that goes in and around the comic book universe, whether or not it be on the actual pages with the artists and the writers, or if it's with the characters that you enjoy as they are expressed in other media like television and movie and even song. That's what we talk about in these gutters. Dope. So... DC Universe Infinite. DC Universe is being replaced with DC Infinite, a premium digital comics platform with single issues as well as original graphic novels, all of which will be uploaded six months after they hit store shelves. Subscribers will also have earlier access to new digital-first comics such as Deceased, Hope at World's End, Harley Quinn, Black and White and Red, Injustice Year Zero, etc. There will also be DC Universe Infinite Originals... Oh. I'm learning this as I'm reading the notes, which will be comics exclusive <laughs> to the service. It will cost $7.99 a month or $75 a year, which is $6.25 a month, in comparison to Marvel's Unlimited, Marvel's premium subscription service that costs $9.99 a month and $69 a year, for which is uh, $5.75 a month. So they're, they're... So wait, it's cheaper per month, but more expensive per year? No, it's more, it's more, it's, it's, DC is more expensive per year, yeah. but cheaper per month. Yes. So, Len, what do you think about this? As a person who typically doesn't read single issues in your personal life, and you mm-hmm. only do it for the show. That's right. Do you read, That's right. Do you, do you bother with D, uh, Marvel Unlimited or anything like that? And are you going to be checking out the DC version of that? Okay, here's the thing. This is, for me, personally, this is not... A big thing because I don't as a whole don't like digital comics so it's not it, it doesn't mean anything for me however I do know a ton of people who do enjoy reading comic books digitally right and for them I think that this could be a very big thing because it you'll have access to the to the DC Comics, uh, and let's face it, if you're a comic book, um, you love DC Comics, this might be an easier way to get it than, than you know, because they've changed up their whole way of getting the periodicals to your store. Um, 
it's 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 easy. It's a way to read the stay up to date on your new comics while also exploring DC's history in comic books. Mm-hmm. Um, it's relatively inexpensive way to do this. Uh, it's a smart move, and to be honest, for the longest time on the DC Universe app, it has been the part that has been the part of the app that has seen the most updates being made to it um because it does cost more to update with original you know uh content as far as shows all of those shows now moving over to warner streaming service which is hbo max which makes perfect sense this makes sense it's it's like Warner Media finally got somebody, people in charge who are like, okay, let's make sense of this. Like, yes, are we maybe following the footsteps of our, you know, our competition? Sure. But they were doing it right. Let's just do it and try and do it, do it better with our properties. It makes actually perfect sense for people. And, and there are a lot of people that are excited about it and I'm excited for them. Go on. No. Can we answer some of uh, um, Christopher St. Salsa Goodnight's questions? Because they're like they, they think they're pretty good. Well, hold on, wise. I want to make sure that Brandon has joined us. No, no. <laughs> so no. What are the questions that Brand, uh, St. Salsa asked us? So he he mentions. So if we subscribe, is it any books? Do you have to pay for each issue, or is it you subscribe and you can read whatever? So. With these services, I, I presume, and it sounds like it's going to be exactly like Marvel Unlimited, with these services, you it's it's like Netflix. You pay a monthly and or annual fee, and you're able to read whatever they decide to put on the service. The app. Exactly. It is not, it is not a It is not a pay-as-you-go, which is great, but you're also at the whims of whatever they want to put on their digital service to read it you can't go in there and be like mm, i want to read this issue this issue this issue like you're just you're at the you're at the, the service of them and they've they've already decided that it's what six months six months right so like a book comes out on the shelves within six months or no, la- no, no longer no later than six months no earlier than six months it'll be on the app but they don't say that everything that sees publication is going to be on the app in six months there has been They're a probably going to I'm sorry, there's been a what? bunch of stuff on the Marvel app. I have Marvel Unlimited just for, in case I want to, like, check up on an old issue or something. I generally don't use it very often, but if there's something like, oh, I want to check out that issue. Let me see if it's on the Marvel app. No, it's not. Okay, never mind. Really? Yeah, there's – they it, it costs a lot for them to digitize, like, especially older books before digital readers yeah. were, were so prevalent. Scanning and – It's yep. incredibly expensive to scan – but then also reformat for a reader um, what was nor- what was already on the page. So like unless they draw it digitally, it's very difficult to like transfer the process. So people that are that sign up for these services thinking that like holy shit, we're gonna see all that out of print stuff and it's gonna be great. Hold on, like don't get too excited. It's actually just going to be whatever they're able to do for you over the course of time. Like if you look at DC Universe now. They are still updating. They, they still update with, like, runs of things, but they do it in pieces, and they mm-hmm. do it... Like, it's it's not it's not a... They're not opening the vaults it fe- for you. It feels a little... <laughs> it feels very disorganized. Uh, even when they're yeah. uploading chunks of books. Here's issues 1, 2, 3, 7, 9, 23, 40. <laughs> like, oh, really? Oh, wow. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Wow. Yeah, it's... 
it's it's a cool idea, but I don't think it's at least for now. If you want, if you're a completionist, if you want the whole thing, is if you're if you follow, it's not a one for one comparison to reading weekly yeah. or carte blanche, whether that's digital or in print. It's not a replacement of that. It's just like a supplement of that. Yeah. It's it's maybe you still follow weekly and month by month, but you don't maybe get trades anymore and you just kind of have them digitally or you rent them digitally. Sa- uh, like Samuel David uh, makes a good point. So it's not unlimited at all. <laughs> it's very limited. Limited access. Oh, I mean, then it's, then it's uh, a little short of infinite then too, isn't it? Yeah. Brandon. Hi. So Brandon, hi, welcome to the show. This everyone, this is Brandon. Yay, it's Brandon. Yay, it's Brandon. Here he is. Um, I like the service. I'm particularly, you know, I'm happy about it. I was the one who kept saying I wanted comics to stay on. I wanted DC Universe to keep going because I wanted the comics to keep going. Um, and like, this is why, is because now you guys have seen like what Marvel Unlimited offers and everything, and you can see why I would want that to also exist for DC. So yeah, that's what I'm excited about. Yeah, uh, and we were just like before you had jumped on, we were just saying like it's cool as a service, but I personally don't think it is a one f- unless you're willing to just abandon current stories for a while. I don't think it's a one for one replacement yet of still following the books that you enjoy because there's no guarantee that they will be on the service in 6 months and they put whatever they want on the service in whatever time frame they want. So if you're following a book and they just don't put it on the app they won't i mean like, i haven't seen that i've seen like i know like older stuff they have trouble with but like the newer issues soon as they come up like within six months they usually get up, to, up like uploaded like i was just checking to make sure and like on marvel unlimited right now like ironworks 2020 number one is on there and that just came out like at the end of july so like you know it's the beginning of september and so that's six months pretty much so, like, it seems like newer issues, like, if you're trying to keep up with newer issues that come out week to week, you're usually pretty good. It seems like it's the older stuff, like, I don't know, like, stuff from the 60s and 70s and stuff. That seems like it's where it's a little iffier. Yeah. Right, and because that's because they got to go in and digitize yeah. all of that stuff to be to be uploaded. So, let me just make sure that I understand what you're saying, Brandon, cause, and this is how I read it. So, DC... And we're talking about the DC app going forward. So let's say the DC books that came came out for September, right? All of whatever books they, they issued for September. In six months, those same new books should be available on the new DC Unlimited app. They Correct? should, yes. Yeah. Right, right. All all of them at once or from what I can tell, yeah, maybe like if not the same day, it definitely within the same week. It seems like over the course of the week they upload the yeah the issues. See that see, and that's that was my understanding of it. And to me, that is a win-win for people. Now, to Noel's point, like if you don't want to stay up to date on these current stories, that might be a, a bit of a you know a slog for you. But if you're someone like me who's already resigned to that, I'm waiting for the trace, I'm waiting for the stories to be done anyway, then if I get into the schedule of the app that I'm reading these these books on those schedules, 
then it's fine. I'm paying $6.99. And so if I'm six months behind on the story, hey, quiet is kept. If I stay away from a lot of the news, I can still be surprised by these books that are that are happening. It's it's digital trade waiting is all yeah, it is. Pretty much. Right. Yeah. Like I know there's people on Reddit, like there's a Marvel subreddit and then there's a Marvel Unlimited one. And on the Marvel one, they discuss the comic. They have a discussion thread where people can discuss books week to week. And then on the um, Marvel Unlimited one, it's the same thing. It's just six months old. So people go there and if they want to talk about books with people, they'll just be talking about books that are six months old. So it's a good way of like, it's pretty much like you're like the books are coming out week to week for you. It's just your week to week is six months after everyone else's. Yeah, I, I, um, I'll, 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 I'll be the old man. Get off my lawn about it. I, part of the joy of reading these comics is the um, immediacy of it and the conversation of it. I don't know if I necessarily like this. Doesn't feel like that big of an offering for me to forego that, forego the the conversation and the immediacy and the because it is it's soap opera it's it's things happening in real time in a way that you're enjoying that you're absorbing with a community and then you're discussing it i don't know if i want to do the back end six month later version of it right personally yeah it's like so, it's up to, so the value yeah. proposition is a little it's it's just not enough for me personally yeah it's person to person definitely yeah hmm, okay all right see i i i guess i don't feel that because I find that more and more, and maybe this is because I wait for the trade, the conversations that I enjoy having with people are more about the business of the genre as opposed to the everyday, like, you know, oh, what happened in Iron Man this this week? Oh, Hellcat was back. You see when she gave him that digs? Like, no, I didn't read it. I'm, I'm reading it on online, so I'll, I'll read it in six months. Call me in December, you know? I get to have both of those conversations, though, so... <laughs> no flipping us off to the audience at home. <laughs> Slowly. Yes. Yes. Uh, no, I completely agree with you. So, like, I love that kind of shit too. Like talking about like the 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 overarching uh, trajectory of a character, the business of comic books, the art of the storytelling. I in, in collective format. Like, I enjoy the shit out of that too. Um, but it's just it's a different muscle. It's a different of of the weekly happens happenings and goings and stuff like um yeah no i i i don't i don't want to give up that for for digital service that's delayed now brandon you you were subscribing to dc universe yeah okay so now with it turning to dc infinite and all of its it's uh the the shows that were there going to HBO Max or how do you feel about that? I don't mind because I usually I still pick up my books from JD week to week. So I was still using DC Universe for older comics. So I'm still going to keep it for that. Like I wasn't even watching that, you know, I would watch the shows when they came out, like the ones I liked. But there were like gaps in that and I still kept DC Universe cuz I liked having the comics and stuff. So now I'll still subscribe and still have those comics and everything and also i already have hbo max as well so this doesn't really change anything for me so i'm okay with it plus um you know there's going to be like digital first so that'll be interesting i doubt it'll be you know that good if we're being honest but i'll, I'll look some, at it yeah 
some of the digital firsts have been pretty cool. So oh, like yeah. the the swamp uh, the Mark Russell Swamp Thing series was really good. They're doing um, they're getting like top talent to do uh, Harley Quinn red black white and red. Yeah, I've been white, reading black, that. That's something been good. Like that. Yeah. Um, also to uh, a lot of the Injustice books now are digital first, and deceased books are digital first. Like they're they're at least trying to infuse new content into this model. I don't. I, I the format bothers me usually, but apparently it's really really good. I'm just waiting for it to get printed. Yeah, when I say digital first, I specifically mean the DC Universe Infinite digital first. Those are the ones I'm not super. I think they're going to be about. the same thing. No, they said they're going to be. The they said there's going to be originals that are specifically for DC Universe and digital. There's going to be the digital first that have been coming out, and then there's going to be specific ones that are just on DC Universe Infinite. Wait, are they going to make people pay for the digital firsts? that aren't like if i was a member of of dc universe infinite mm -hmm. if it's digital first that shit should be mine also i had this problem with their their direct-to-video movies they were like it's going to be the the home of all the direct-to-video movies and blah, 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 but oh. but but it's going to be four months until you paid members can see it like yeah fuck. no i think if if you have dc universe infinite then you'll get like DC's Hope at World's End, you'll get Injustice Year Zero. You'll get those. When it comes out? I think so, yeah. That's, I don't know be. yet, like, but that's what it sounds like. I don't like. know. I would fight, like, I would, that's like a deal breaker. If it's digital first, it should be on my paid service as a member. Yeah. Period. Not, yeah. because I get, like, the, the, the physical market and the digital market having a space between them, but if it's a digital market and I mean, a digital premium market... Fudge you. No. Yeah, I, I didn't like no. that with the movies at all. I, I, I agree, no. I didn't like that at all. That made no sense to me. Like, the physical, I made, it made sense. You're still trying to hold on to the old model, so you're going to give it, like, a little space between yeah. them. But if it's digital first, then it should come to the app first. That's the reason why you are getting our monthly subscription. I mean, yeah, so on the press thing, it says specifically subscribers will have earlier access to new digital first comics. So I assume that that means you'll get them... Same day, maybe even earlier, if you have the service. And you never have to pay... The whole thing is you don't pay for the comics, you're paying for the monthly subscription. And if it's like Marvel Unlimited, you won't have to pay extra for it. So, yeah. Right on. Right, um, we'll see. But, yeah. Gentlemen. And then, they'll, yeah, there'll be extra stuff, too. I, I, uh, I've, I learned my lesson to not adopt before it came out. Yeah. So, we'll see. Yeah. yeah. I, I had a year of DC Universe that I just didn't use. That's so. what, yeah, when everyone subscribed to that, I was like, but what if it's not good? <laughs> That's why I did, like, I did monthly, and then when I wasn't liking it, I stopped, and then, yeah. Yeah, I just didn't re-up. Yeah, I, we'll see. I mean, hopefully it's more cogent and put together than the original version of the service. Because, I mean, you, you galvanize your own audience when you have duplicative efforts. So the idea of we knew HBO Max was coming before DC Universe was launched, it's like, dude, it's the cross-section of your audience is so ridiculously similar. Just make it this. Like, I don't know, like, people people buy into bespoke experiences. You know, like, if it's just comics, if it's just content, if it's just social media, they don't usually double-dip on things. Yeah. Or they, they, usually, they usually balk at double-dipping. So it's like... Hold off six months. Don't and and just stick with HBO Max. Yeah. 
Well, like I said, I think Warner Media finally has some some adults running the ship, so we'll see how see how it flies. They haven't announced. Speaking about the shows on DC Universe, so Swamp Thing is going to be on HBO Max. We know that, along with Harlequin, Star Girl is going to the CW. Um, they haven't announced exactly what's going to happen with Titans Titan season three, yeah. and we were speculating before. Uh, uh, Oh, or Brandon, do you have an update on that? Yeah, on DC Universe it says HBO Max will be home for premium video content, blah, blah, blah. Originals like Young Justice Seasons 1 through 4, Titan Seasons 1 through right. 3, Doom Patrol Seasons 1 through 3, and DC Stargirl Season 1. So that's Titan oh, yeah. Season 3 included in that. Yeah, so uh, Stargirl is one of those, like, it's going to have first run on CW, but the, the you know streaming home is going to be... HBO, HBO Max. HBO Max. Right. Yeah. right, 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 right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, so Titans is going to HBO Max. Yep. Cool. Not, not that I really cared. <laughs> I would have I would I would have been fine if they had to put a bullet to Titans to be to be honest. Titans was um, great until that finale. Remember that finale? Oh, remember Wonder Girl? Ti- times. Titans was great until that trailer. You know, the first trailer. Remember that first trailer? And I wa- and I'm not just a hater. I watched the entire first season. It got better. I watched um, the entire. I watched um, both seasons. I watched both seasons. It's not bad, but I would have been fine with them putting a bullet to it. Yeah. Um, and also to like to clarify, it's Swamp Thing canceled. As yeah. Is. Like there's no new yeah. Swamp Thing. Yeah. I've seen people think that right? that's not happening. Yeah, it's not new. Period. It's the they're just rerunning the old stuff, and then they like. That, edited the show for CW Seed or some shit. Like, yeah. it's the same show. So, hey, congratulations, DC. You're doing something right. Yeah, you you backtracked. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> but wasn't there a question that we, we were talking about in, in the chat before um, we turned on the mics and turned on the cameras? Wasn't there a question as that we wanted to pose to JD in regards yeah. to how this impacted retail? In general, I'm if wondering what JD thinks yeah. about digital, yeah, digital comics. Well, let me put on my retailer hat. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the show, everyone. We will see you later. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> yeah. um, thanks, for, thanks for joining us on this episode of Cranky Retailer Says. I hate it. But, J.D., as, a pers- as both, as a person and a retailer, because you said okay. you use Marvel Unlimited sometimes, you know. I, well, I try to use Marvel Unlimited, and I wind up disappointed, so I give up. Um, oh. And, you know, for the show, we read, read most of the, well, not all of us, some of us read all of the books digitally for the show every week. Um, so, as a retailer, I don't like it. It's not my favorite. Um, you know, digital comics are... They don't, they don't tickle me. But, sometimes it's really convenient to have, them on, have as much as you want on your iPad or whatever your, your reading device is and just have access to... All of the books you want if you're going on a trip or um, if you don't want to, like, lug your books around onto a bus or whatever, all that sort of stuff. I, I really like it for that sort of thing. But nothing has swayed me from wanting to read my paper, you know? JD, I have a question. Cause, so a lot of people talk about – a lot of fans really want de- um, both of these services to just be, like, day and date. If you subscribe to the service, you get the comics. 
what so people the main reason that people assume the companies don't do that is that shops will will obviously be upset and might even stop selling their books would that be something you would do and is it something you could do because it seems like shops you know especially with the coronavirus and stuff i don't know that they have the ability to do that right now is that something you feel like you could do 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 what specifically uh like stop selling DC books if DC drop releases. a drop yeah drop a publisher yeah drop a publisher because they decide to potentially galvanize your numbers no I don't think that's something you would do yeah. or can do no because I still have so, I still have customers who I, well I would say the ninety nine percent of my customers don't read their comics digitally otherwise right. they wouldn't be right. my customers right so they come in yeah, can I? and they have <laughs> subscriptions and they come and they pick up their paper books um, now some of them do a thing where they like their collectors, so they like to buy the print version, but they will use the little the, the tab that's inside Marvel Books for the free mm. digital version. I don't know if DC still does that. They, they were doing it for a while. Not really. Um, but I think they got rid of that. Um, can, I, can I... I got a, I got a gripe. Um, a part of me thinks that... Or part of me believes that questions like that or, or or conversations like that or will it eat this audience and do this and do this i think they're they're false equivalencies um i the the habits of consumers are not necessarily galvanizing each other like if we're talking about will this book mess with the sales of this other book that makes sense but we're talking about different mediums completely and research has shown that while one grows the other one also grows they don't feed off of each other they're not the same they're the the subsection of the audiences is what they like content wise not their habits as as readers physical or digital so i do not think that the proliferation of digital comics will um one for one eat away the sales of physical i think that the lack of promoting physical will eat away at physical I just so like it's it's the false narrative of one is replacing the other that will kind of beget it happening, not that they can't exist in the same space because I do think that they can. We're we're fucking proof of that. Yeah. The fact that we all do read physical and digital and don't hurt either one, support either one. You know what I mean? Yeah, especially can, you know, I, if you look at the sales of vinyl records this past year have gone up. Yeah, even though music is is more readily available to every consumer than it has ever been in the entirety of the universe. People are still buying records. I just wonder, though, I wonder why they do it then, you know? Because, like, if they, like, you know, they're companies. They want to make money. So if the reason Mm -hmm. isn't that they're worried about shops, then why don't they, you know, just put it... I mean, I guess, you know, they make money weekly. No, they are are worried about shops. What I'm saying is that it's not a one or the other. It's a both. Mm. They're creating new offerings to get new audiences on board or rekindle old audiences that have disappeared, not to eat away at the audiences that currently Uh, exist and have practices. So when we have the conversation of will it hurt this or that, I don't – like it could, but I don't think that that's the conversation that's worth – or – I think it's a false conversation to have because they don't actively eat into each other. Do you know what I mean? Like they support each other, if anything. And and like I actually have to leave. But I think my final message is just always support something, right? There you go. Don't steal it. I agree. Like trade waiter up here, uh, 
Me. Len is a trade waiter. That's great. <laughs> you do it, though, through your favorite local shops, your small yep. businesses. Yep. Um, uh, Brandon, you're both, and you also, like, you're both, you support both, and you have a pull list, so you support your local shop. I'm mainly a physical reader or a trade reader, and I support my local shop. I do like some digital firsts, and I'll pay for them as go, but that's just the kind of person I am. I don't think that... I don't think that digital has to disappear in order for physical to thrive. I think that it's just make sure you're always supporting your favorite model and you'll keep getting books. That's it. Yeah, I think that's I think that's true. I think the 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 danger though is is that as this medium has to grow and find more and more fan fans, I think the fans of tomorrow more and more are going to the digital and yeah. and that is where that that's why you 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 can't go day and date because the the uh the 12 year old who will soon be the 16 year old who will soon be the 20 year old and a 25 year old with disposable income will just as soon as the use that disposable income on something digital as opposed to going into the local comic book shop. Yeah. Um, no, I, I agree. The, the, I like the idea of, of um, marketplaces giving each other breathing space so the consumer can decide. Six-month wait, not a big deal. If it's super important to you to read the story, you seek elsewhere. If it's super not super, if it's super important for you to abandon physical, you wait the six months. Like that breathing space is great, and that's actually what made the the weird move of DC to go to different distributors and do day and date with normal bookstores felt weird because it was physical media versus physical media galvanizing the small business owners right. who now have to compete one-to-one with Barnes & Noble and Amazon. Whereas before, it was small uh, small uh, direct market shops were getting the books at least a week to two weeks early. And it gave them breathing room and it allowed both to profit, potentially. Those that, that wanted it from their store could get it. Those that you know had the, the, the ability to wait a month and get it through Amazon, they did that. Now it's direct competition and i think that's shitty um guys i have to run what bye well i, I mean, love you we have been doing this, this for yeah this, this two hours like a show to me yes yeah, yeah. um, let's sign off hang on let's get out of here let's get out of here because i gotta eat all right thank We're... you so much for joining us if you want to help the show you can go to patreon.com slash johnny destructo we also have a venmo if you want to send us money at jd's hero complex on venmo no you're holding up an absolute Carnage Omnibus. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna review this this week, you and me, Jay. Yeah, we are. And and book club. Don't everyone don't forget about book club. So I believe book club. So okay, so book club for the store happens every Tuesday night at eight p.m. Uh, book club is every other Tuesday, and then movie club are the alternating Tuesdays. We do a Zoom meeting. The next movie is going to be called Four Lions which is this Tuesday at 8 o'clock. The following Tuesday will be the book that Noel was just holding up called Basketful of Heads, which is a OGN by um, Joe Hill. Stephen, a very large name right there. Stephen King's son. Uh, but 
for book club within the confines of the Colt Pop podcast. Uh, we're going to be reviewing next Sunday at 10.30 a.m. the week's books, but then we're also going to be talking about... Eternals by Neil Gaiman and John Romita Jr. Yeah! Which is up. The, the original... I gotta the, read um, that book. <laughs> I actually... I started it last night, and it's funny. You mentioned it's nice seeing good John Romita Jr. This is good John Romita Jr. Nice. Yeah. It's, it's, be, it's before everything was, like, hyper-digital colored. It's actually really good. Um... Please like and subscribe and share if you like if you like the YouTube whatever we're doing here. Bye, Noel. If you like all this stuff, please share it. Please help us out. We're a fledgling little baby little baby channel, so we could use all the help that we can get. Um, oh, I've, I've got rid of Brandon. Um, Len, where can people find you? Hey, you can find me right here in my house in Philadelphia. Check me out. How you doing? There's a Primo's down the street. I'm about to go get me a sandwich because I'm Ooh, that sounds good. Uh, no, and you can also find me at any place and every place that you find Black Tribbles at Black Tribbles on all the social medias. Look us up on podcasts wherever you find podcasts. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Help us get it. We are inching ever so close to 1,000 subscribers, so we'd love to have some more. And check us out every Monday where we review Lovecraft Country and Thursdays with our radio show and we got more and more uh, fun things coming. We got a big event we're going to be uh, announcing in a couple of weeks so stay tuned. Holla at a triple. Also check out the Houston Chronicle, right? Oh yes, the Houston Chronicle uh, where my other show, the Me Show Mission uh, we had a story, that uh, a spotlight on there as well. Thank you, Brandon. I was Mm -hmm. appreciate you. Oh, as far as me, since JD just left, as far as me, uh I, I'm in the YouTube comments a lot. If anyone wants to comment there, I'll probably show up. So yeah, that's about it. And JD, yes, what? Where can we? <laughs> it's time for you to sign us off, my brother. All right. I thought I already did all that stuff. Uh, you can follow me at JD Zero Complex on Twitter. Um, oh, so we're going to be doing Thunder Rounds on the YouTube channel uh, throughout the week. Also, I'm thinking of a new horror. I think it's called the Spooky Time Sleepover. I'm going to be doing that. Uh, I'm working on a new. Um, horror-based uh, YouTube sub-channel thing. Um, I guess that's it. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll talk at you later. Yay. Thanks so much for listening to Spoiler Alert. Check out all our shows, including the Cannibal Horrorcast, where we review classic and contemporary horror. Oh, it's so spooky! And Gutter Talk with the Black Tribbles, Recorded live every week at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Nanyang, PA. Yeah. <laughs> 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 <laughs>